What's up? Welcome to Bow Down, the teaching ministry of Pastor Chris Tress. We're going to finish up the book of Ruth today. Lord willing. You know, I say Lord willing not because I'm, I get sidetracked and off on rabbit trails. But I say Lord willing because... Um, there was a time in the Bible where they dedicated the, the temple and the Holy Spirit fell and the guys couldn't talk or do anything. And you know, we pray for that. Can I, can I get an amen in the back? If you got God's presence, you got it all. By the way, we are also going to, as we finish this book, Lord willing, we're going to be starting the book of Revelation next. Sorry, KJ. So house churches, if, uh, if you want to get a head start on Revelation, I encourage you to do so. It may take a little time. It's 22 chapters, so I'm not saying we're going to do it in 22 weeks, but it's going to take some time. Um, there's a lot that's happening in our world right now, and so, um, you know, God, what book do you want to go through with your church, and, and Revelation kept kept coming up, so uh, anyway, let's go ahead and pray. Father, we thank you that you are here, and we do ask for you to come and have your way. Lord, I know uh, in this room there are people that are that are dealing with things, struggling, are burdened. And I thank you, God, for your word, which declares you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed upon you. And so, God, we, we just release ourselves, our position, what we're dealing with, our trials, whatever it is, God, we release that. And like a uh, putting a coat on a, on a coat hanger, God, we, we take our coat off of all that stuff and we just put it on your hanger, God. You carry it. It's too much for us and we put your yoke upon us, which is easy and light now, that you would give us ears to hear what the Spirit is saying that you would help us, God, to receive all that you have. So, Father, I just humble myself before you now, and I just acknowledge that apart from you, I can do nothing. And I need you, Holy Spirit. And we cry out, we need you, Holy Spirit. We need you, that we would walk in this word. Father, I pray for those as well that will be convicted by this word. Father, those that will need to repent because of this word. I pray, God, that your people, God, that you're calling to yourself would know that your arms are always open wide and there's forgiveness. So, God, help. Help us to be like the person in Proverbs. Where it says, if you rebuke. A fool, he will hate you, but if you rebuke a wise man, he will love you. God, we, we, we welcome your rebuke because we want to love you more. And so have your way, Jesus, we pray. In Christ's name, amen. I'm not going to go over and do a review on the book of Ruth because all of the messages are online. And you can watch them. Um, to catch up, but basically, Boaz, he's at the gate, and there's witnesses are there, and he is stepping up as a redeemer, and he's about to take Ruth um, as his bride, and he does this deal in front of all the people. 
He does this deal at the gate, and so let's pick it up in verse 11. It says, Then all the people, and I'd like you to highlight all the people, who were gathered at the gate and the elders. So at the gate and the elders. Last week we talked about bring it to the gate, bring it to the gate. I want to clarify that point a little bit and explain it a little bit better hopefully than I did last week because I don't want you walking out of here. If you make a decision, you got to go to the elders of the church, okay? I want you to turn to 1 Peter 5.5, please. You see in Ruth 4.11, it says all the people, all the people, all the people and the elders. This was the community. There was a group of people that were there that were witnessing this. And because of that community that they came into and, and kind of made decisions with, they received blessings of prayer. They've received prophetic words because they brought it to the gate. They brought it to the elders. First Peter 5.5 5 declares, Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you. What does clothe yourselves, all of you mean? All of you means the elders. The elders with humility towards one another. For God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. There is collective wisdom in this church today where we should be able to not just bring it to the gate for the elders, but also in First Ruth 4.11 where it says all the people were there. Like there is wisdom in a lot of people here today. So this past week, um, I was... Uh, speaking to Urban Youth Impact staff, and I was preaching my little heart out, trying to tell our staff, hey guys, we are the people who walk in the resurrection and the life because we have Jesus, we have hope. He is the resurrection of life, and this is a living reality that we walk in and that we speak. And I thought I was bringing a good word, but then one of my staff members comes up to me and says, Pastor Chris, your, miss, your, your message is missing something. You know what happened on the inside? I got offended. You know why? Man, who do you think you are? See, this doesn't come out of me. I'm too good of a Christian. But it comes out on the inside. It pops up. And you know when stuff like that pops up and you get offended, you know what God's just showing you, Christian and me, Christian, you're not dead yet because dead people don't get offended. Not only am I not dead yet, even though I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but he lives inside of me and I want to die, I pray to die. But also, what did it hit? My reputation. And what does Scripture say? Christ made himself of what? No reputation. So when you attack my preaching, you're attacking my reputation, and therefore I get offended. And I react and respond. Does that make sense? Now, all of those gymnastics went through me. As I was walking with this young man, and Nick, go ahead and raise your hand. I'm going to call you out. See, Nick's the one. He's the one right here. Instead of great message, Pastor Chris, now, you, know, you know how people say, hey, start with the good, then go to the bad, then end with the good. That's how you confront. Nick just, hey, you're missing something. <laughs> but that's why I like him. And so as we're walking together and I'm listening to him, getting over my bad self, okay, Nick. You're speaking then next week. How long did it take for me to get offended to tell you you were speaking, Nick? 15 seconds, okay? 15 seconds, okay? So, but see, that's 15 seconds too long. I want to be just like Christ. When they hit me, I say, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Make myself of no reputation. Never get offended. And see, without the church... Without the church offending you, guess what? 
you might stay in your reputation. We need each other. Guys, listen, I need you to offend me today. So that I can say, thank you, Lord. And turn the other cheek and continue to learn how to abide in Christ. And without community, without community, ironing, sharpening iron, without one another, without bringing things to the gate, guys, we're going to miss out on what God has for us as a collective of community. And listen, Nick is younger than me. Nick's not an elder at the church, right? But I was able to, 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 to by God's grace, say, okay, and guess what? What he spoke on that following uh, um, devotions that we did with our staff was something beautiful that I missed completely. And it added such strength to the body of Christ and our staff was strengthened and we're walking in greater hope because Christianity is not like Islam. Islam has one voice. But Christianity is the book that has over 40 authors all speaking the same thing. And the Bible gives us a picture of how God works collectively through community so we need each other so last week bring it to the gate understand at the gate all the people are there ruth 411 capiche we need one another and thank you nick for being so offensive <laughs> verse 11 speak the truth in love without truth it's not love Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Without truth, it's not grace. They go together. They go together. And you want to surround yourself with people who don't tell you what they think you want to hear, but they tell you what they believe God wants you to hear, whether you like it or not. Grace and truth come through Jesus Christ. Speak the truth in love. Eleven continued. And so here is all the people. Here is the people uh, that they went, that they were at the gate. They said, we are witnesses. May the Lord make the woman. Now, I want you to highlight, may the Lord make the woman, because we're going to come back to that, Ruth 4.11 now. We're going to come back to that uh, in, a, in a little while. Who is coming to your house like Rachel and Leah, who together built up the house of Israel. I want you to highlight built up the house of Israel. May you act worthily in Ephrathah and be renowned in Bethlehem. Now, I had you highlight, and may his name be renowned in Israel. I want you to understand the people of Israel had a community-first mindset. Community-first mindset. I'll never forget the time where uh, I was counseling a young PBA student who decided that he was a priest of God, and he was at the beach one night, and he decided to marry his girlfriend on the beach, and they got married on the beach. And when I went to him about having a little bad doctrine and a dangerous theology, because how many young men at PBA say, hey, you know what, uh, technically I'm a priest, and when two or three are gathered in the name, he's there. So, hey, tonight let's get married on the beach. Uh, that's not going to be a very good move of God. Right? By the way, these are true stories. Pray for your church leadership. <sighs> that person was focused not on the flock of God and the dangerous of that, danger of that kind of doctrine and what that could do to the flock. They were focused that night on themselves. 
on himself, poor leadership. Me first, not flock first. And by the way, United States of America, listen, our culture is you first, not flock first, not community first. And that's the difference between the people of Israel. I want you to go down to 414, please. And I want you to look at their response. It says, and may his name be renowned where? In Israel. So this group of people were wanting to build up the house of Israel and also make the name, his name renowned in Israel where they thought community first, flock first. Because they understood the promise in Genesis 12 where it says all the nations will be blessed by Abraham. They understood that. Now, church, if you are taking note today, the question is, are you really, really focused on building up the house of Israel? Are you focused on building up the house of Israel? Now, before I get into that, I, I, I want you to kind of, I have to lay a foundation here so that we can see the tension in both uh, it's kind of a paradox, if you will, where, where, where two things seemingly contradict each other, but they're both true. And Scripture is full of paradoxes where there's tension. Romans 11, please. Keep your place here in Ruth 4. We're going to go to Romans 11. God, I pray that you would just continue to reveal your truth here as some people uh, have a, the demonic belief system of replacement theology, we just come against that in the name of Jesus. And we pray that your truth from your word would replace the replacement demonic doctrine in Jesus' name. Romans eleven twenty five. Romans eleven twenty five. Listen. It says, lest you be wise in your own sight. And by the way, context, he's writing to the Gentile church in Rome. He says, I do not want you to be aware, unaware of this mystery, brothers. A partial hardening has come upon Israel. And you need to highlight that, please. Until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. So God is declaring in his word that there is a hardening over the nation of Israel until the times of the Gentiles reaches its fulfillment. So right now in Iran, there is a revival that's breaking out under severe persecution and even threat to death where God is, is moving and Gentiles are being saved. They're coming into the kingdom. But there is going to come a time where the last Gentile gets saved. And then that door will close, just like the door closed with Noah on the ark. And there's going to be a shift. I want you to look here again until the fullness of the Gentiles comes in. Now, if you're here today and you're a Gentile, you've never given your life to Christ Please do so. You might be the one we're waiting for. Don't harden your heart. Come on in. And all joking, it could be true, by the way. Verse 26. And in this way, and you might want to highlight this, all of Israel will be saved. As it is written, the deliverer will come from Zion. He will banish ungodliness from Jacob. And this will be my covenant with them when I take away their sins. As regards to the gospel, they're enemies for your sake. But as regards to election, they are beloved for the sake of their forefathers. For the gifts and calling of God are irrevocable. They cannot be broken. God made a covenant with the children of Abraham. He made a covenant with Abraham, and that covenant is not broken. Verse 27, this will be my covenant with them that I will take away their sins. As regards the gospel, they are 
enemies for your sake, but as, okay, I already read that, 30. For just as you, Romans eleven thirty, 30, were at one time disobedient to God, but now we've received mercy because of their disobedience. They too have now been disobedient in order that by mercy shown to you, they, almost, they also may now receive mercy. For God has consigned all to disobedience that he may have mercy on all. Oh, the depths and the riches and the wisdom and the knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable are his ways. I want you to turn to Galatians chapter 3, please. Galatians chapter 3. I want you to understand one of the reasons why we're doing the book of Revelation next is because I believe we are in the last days, and in the last days, you are going to see a hatred for the nation of Israel and also a hatred for the true church of Jesus Christ. Both are going to ramp up because the enemy knows his time is near. When Obama put forth a plan to divide the nation of Israel, I spoke from this stand against that policy. And then when Trump put forth a two-state solution for the nation of Israel, I spoke against that policy. Because I'm not Democrat or Republic, I'm kingdom first. And why would I be against the two-state solution? Thanks for asking. Joel chapter 3, verse 2, God says, The nations that divide my land, I will divide them. What may sound good in our narratives and the mob-like movement with the ideologies that are going forth usually are against God. Look at the Old Testament, the mob is usually wrong. Look at the New Testament, the mob killed Jesus. The mob killed and tried to kill the Apostle Paul and started riots. The mob's usually wrong. So if your narratives are going with the narratives that are popular today, you just need to be careful, church. When they crucified Jesus, they brought fake news to the Roman government. It didn't start in America. You need to be aware of who you're listening to. And when you have allegiance with anything above the kingdom of God, you are in great danger. When you believe things that contradict God's word, you are in great danger. Be careful what you hear. Galatians 3, 6. It says, just as Abraham believed God and was counted to him as righteousness. So how are we righteous, by the way? By believing in what Christ did on the cross, how he took away our sins, he died and rose again. I don't have any righteousness of my own. My good works are filthy rags to God. I can't do right even if I wanted to. But my righteousness comes because of my faith in Christ. That's it. Verse 7, Galatians 3. Know then that those of faith are the sons of Abraham. So you who are in Christ, you are a child of Abraham now. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you all the nations shall be blessed. And by the way, the book of Ruth is God fulfilling that promise because Ruth was birthing through Boaz, through the lineage of David, God's promise to Abraham, and we're going to see God's sovereign hand throughout this book. And fulfilling his promise here. Verse 9. So then, those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. Go down to Galatians 3, 26 and 29. It says this. For in Christ, you 
are all sons of God through faith. When you put your faith in Christ, you become a son of God. You hear the world saying we're all God's children. No, Scripture declares that that is not true. We are all God's creation, but we are not all God's children. How do we know that? Thanks for asking. John chapter 8, Jesus is talking to the Pharisees, and he says, you are of your father the devil. So there's two children on this earth, the, fathers, the children of the devil and the children of God. We're all God's creation, but we are not all God's children. Verse 27, for many of you were baptized into Christ, you've put on Christ, and once you do that, there's neither Jew nor Greek, slave, free, male, female, we're one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring and heirs according to the promise. So I'm a child of Abraham because of my faith in Christ. And those of you who put your faith in Christ, you are a child of Abraham. And so please listen and understand. The reason why I went to Romans chapter 11, because for God has a covenant with the nation of Israel, but also the reason why I went to Galatians 3 is because the church is also Israel as well. Not a replacement of Israel, but it's a both and. And to teach this wrong where God has gotten rid of one is to disobey and disregard what God had says in Romans chapter 11. And we're not going to do that here. And let me just tell you, the church in Germany that believed that, that, that the Israelites were bad joined in with Hitler and sold out the Jewish nation and killed Millions of people because of bad doctrine. Now, there's always a true remnant, by the way, and Dietrich Bonhoeffer and many others were part of that. But for the most part, the Lutheran church sold out to Hitler and joined what he was doing because of bad doctrine, because of replacement theology. It is demonic. God loves Israel, and God loves the church. Chris, why are you being kind of so strong with this? I want you to understand that Satan will continue to attack the Israelites and attack the church. It's going to get ramped up. Israel will need friends. Be very careful those who come against the nation of Israel. Mark them. I want you to turn through to Isaiah 40, please. Are you building the house of Israel? Are you building the church of God? We as Christians need to be building both. The reason why we've got to ask for volunteers for kids ministry is because... Most of the time, the church isn't aligned with the heart of God saying, here I am, send me. The very thing that you're passionate for, I am passionate for because I'm about building the house of Israel. I'm about building the house of God. I'm about building the church. My heart is aligned with yours. And so what I want to do right now as we kind of go through Isaiah, uh, uh, the book of Isaiah, I'm going to have you go from verse to verse to verse to verse. I'm not going to give commentary, but I'm going to pray that the word of God would so burn in you that you would look on the house of Israel and the church with the same kind of perspective of God. And we need his Holy Spirit to fall upon us so we begin to view things biblically and doctrinally because the church should never have to take an offering. If the people in the church's hearts are aligned with God. In Exodus, they had to tell the people, stop giving. We've got way too much. You know why? 
the people were moving with one heart and one mind. God's spirit fell, and they began to get serious about obeying the things of God so that there was no need. Acts chapter 2, it says, there was not a need among them. Why? Because people were serious about building the house of God. People were serious about it. So let us go. Isaiah 40. Holy Spirit, burn. Burn these into us. We need you, God, so that we think like you and we move like you. Forgive us for not. (laughs) Forgive us, God. Isaiah 41. Isaiah 40, verse 1. It says, comfort, comfort my people. Oh, God, help us to comfort your people, to speak tenderly, to tell her that our warfare is ended. Please, God, go to Isaiah 40, 11. Isaiah 40, 11. God, we ask you to come and tend your flock like a shepherd. We are your flock, God. Gather us like lambs in your arms. God, carry us in your bosom. Gently lead us, God. We need you. Isaiah 41. Isaiah 41, verse 8. See, you don't read Scripture. You pray it because you want your heart to align with God's breath. This is who he is. But you, Israel, my servant, Jacob, whom I have chosen. Isaiah 41, verse 8. The offspring of Abraham, my friend. You whom I look from the ends of the earth and called them from its father's corner saying, you are my servant, I've chosen you, I've not cast you off. Fear not, I'm with you, I'm with you. Be not dismayed, I am your God. I will strengthen you, I will help you, I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Behold, all who are incensed against you shall be put to shame and confounded. Those who strive against you shall be as nothing and shall perish. You shall seek those who contend with you, but you shall not find them. Those who war against you shall be as nothing at all. For I, the Lord your God, hold your right hand. It is I who say to you, fear not. I am the one who helps you. Isaiah 42, 6, please. And God, we pray for this imagery that we would walk in this, God. I am the Lord, Isaiah 42, 6. I've called you in righteousness, and I will take you by the hand, and I will keep you. Isaiah 43, 1. Isaiah 43, 1. Isaiah 43, 1. But now, thus says the Lord, he who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, fear not. For I have redeemed you. I have called you by name and you are mine. Isaiah 43, 4. Because you are precious in my eyes and honored, I love you. Isaiah 46, 3. Listen to me. Oh, house of Jacob. And you want to highlight house of Jacob, 46.3. All the remnant of the house of Israel. Highlight the house of Israel. See, community first. Who have been born by me from before your birth, carried from the womb, even to your old age, I am he. And to the gray hairs, I will carry you. Can I get a witness, some gray hair people? I have made, I will bear, I will carry, and I will save. This is one of my favorites, Isaiah 49, 16. I love this. I love this. Bride of Christ, this is truth right now. Let it reign in your life for you personally, for the church, and for the nation of Israel. I've engraved you on the palms of my hands, Isaiah 49, 16. I've engraved you on the palms of my hands. Your name is on his hands. Precious bride of Christ. Isaiah 46, 13. 
Isaiah 46, 13. I bring near my righteousness. Thank you, God. Because my righteousness is nowhere near. It's not far off. My salvation will not delay. I will put in Zion for Israel my glory. You might want to highlight that. Israel my glory. And by the way, the church as well, right? We are to do our good works in such a way that brings glory to our Father in heaven. And so the church is the glory of God. Israel's the glory of God. Isaiah 54, verse 5. Gosh, how many verses are you going to read, Chris? I'm reading it till it's burning in you so that your perspective will be, man, I've got to build the house. I've got to build the church and I've got to build the house of Israel because I want to be aligned with the heart of God. For your maker is your husband. Isaiah 54, 5. The maker, your maker's your husband, the Lord of hosts is his name. The Holy One of Israel is your redeemer, the God of the whole earth. He is called for the Lord has called you like a wife deserted and grieved in spirit, like a wife of youth. When she is cast off, says your God, for a brief moment, I deserted you. But with great compassion, I will gather you in overflowing anger. For a moment, I hid my face from you, but with everlasting love. I will have compassion on you, says the Lord, your Redeemer. Isaiah 63, 7. I will recount the steadfast love of the Lord, 63, 7. The praises of the Lord according to all that the Lord has granted us. And the great goodness to the house of Israel. Highlight that, the house of Israel that he has granted them according to his compassion, according to the abundance of his steadfast love. So are you building the house? Listen, if not, then your heart is not aligned with the heart of God. And just listen. There's no condemnation. Just repent and say, oh, God, I've been so focused about me. I have not been focused about building your house. And I have not been focused on Israel. Zechariah 2.8 says this. Israel, he who touches you touches the apple of my eye. Do you look at the bride of Christ as the apple of God's eye? Look, I think it was St. Francis who said this. The church is a prostitute, but she's still my mother. The church is soiled, but you know what God is doing in Ephesians 5? He says he's bathing her and washing her in the pure water of the word so that there will be no wrinkles, no blemishes, that she would be glorious, that she would be radiant. Like, this is what we need to be about as we build the house. Build the house. Build the house of God, the church, but also be about building Israel. Application, oh God, may my heart align with yours. And that's a supernatural thing. It's not an activity of the mind. It's a pouring out of the Holy Spirit of your, of your heart. It's flooding your mind so that you begin to think like God and see things like God. Instead of some of us taking shots at the church, and I've done it. We should be like Noah's sons who walk in backwards and cover the nakedness. You know, this dude spit in his hand this past week. It went viral and put it on somebody's face in church. A pastor did that. I'm not even... Listen, dude's getting a lot of heat. You can look it up. Pastor spits in somebody's face. I know you will when you get home. <laughs> and I, I, don't, I don't promote. I don't. What, 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 listen, I will never do that to you <laughs> by God's grace. Although Jesus made a mud pie with spit, so it could get a little crazy. But there's no mud up here anyway. 
Here's the reality. Satan has used that to make a mockery out of the church of Jesus Christ. And are we going to be the people? Hey, dude made a mistake. Let's cover a multitude of sin. That is the heart of God. Throughout his book, man, he continues to redeem a rebellious people. And so God, have mercy. May we have the same kind of heart that you have. And may we be burdened with tasks where we can build the house of God and also build Israel. I want you to go back to Ruth 4.12. It says, may your house be like the house of Perez, whom Tamor bore to Judah because of the offspring that the Lord will give you. I want you to highlight because of the offspring that the Lord will give you. Verse 13, Ruth 4, so Boaz took Ruth, and she became his wife, and he went into her, and the Lord gave her conception. I want you to highlight, the Lord gave her conception. There are so many people walking around with lies from the enemy that speak to their identity that has kept them bound. And today, if you do not harden your hearts and you believe the word of God, you will be set free from a lie and it will be broken off you. And so here is the lie, and I had you highlight it. The Lord gave her conception. The Lord gave her conception. You are not a mistake. You are not an accident. Two people cannot get together and make babies. The Lord alone gives conception. And when you believe that, it doesn't matter how your mom feels. It doesn't matter if she says, oh, we didn't want you anyway. You were just a mistake. We weren't planning for you. Guess what? The Lord gave your mom conception. I don't care if your dad doesn't know you and has rejected you or you were adopted or you were abandoned. Guess what? The Lord gave your mom conception. And when this truth reigns in your life, you begin to feel the pleasure of God and his desire for you because he created you with your funny little nose. See, that's personal. My nose does a ski slope right here. I never liked it. I never liked it until I started, until I started believing that I'm fearfully and I'm wonderfully made Knit together in my mama's womb with that ski slope nose. You better come at it. <laughs> my wife don't know what she's missing sometimes, you know, fearfully and wonderfully made. <laughs> Whoops, Lord, help me to get back on. <laughs> that was not in my notes. In all seriousness, seriousness, listen, you're not a mistake. You're not an accident. God is the one who opens up the womb. I want you to turn to Genesis 20 because we need to have a biblical doctrinal view of this. And the reason why people perish, it's because God's truth, right, comes from his very heart, the words that I speak, John 6, 63, they are spirit and they are life. But when we reject his words, we don't walk in the life that he has for us. Genesis twenty seventeen, it says, Abraham prayed to God and God healed Abimelech and also healed his wife and female slaves that they bore children. For the Lord closed all the wombs of the house of Abimelech because of Sarah, Abraham's wife. 
God was judging this man and his family. And then God took away that judgment, and what happened? The womb opened up. I want you to go to Genesis 30. Genesis 30, 22. And by the way, these are just a few passages. We can't go through them all, but God is the one who opens up the womb. You can't make a baby apart from God. Genesis 30, 22. Then God remembered Rachel, and God listened to her, and, and what? Opened up her womb. God did that. Trust me, uh, uh, Homeboy was trying, but God opened up the womb. She conceived and bore a son. God has taken away my reproach, and she called his name Joseph, saying, May the Lord add to me another son. God opens up the womb. And look, I could keep going. 1 Samuel 1.6, Hannah could not conceive, and all of a sudden she cried out before the Lord, and it says that the Lord opened up her womb, and then we got baby Samuel, and we got the book of 1 Samuel and 2 Samuel because of that and a whole bunch of other things, but God is the one who did that. You're not a mistake. No one can make babies apart from God. And this week is Sanctity of Life Week. And people don't want to talk about abortion because they say it's a political issue. And I say it's not a political issue. And I want to make sure as I speak about this, That there is a tenderness for those who have had abortions and a brokenness in the heart of God for what happened. I want to also say to the men who often get off free, because instead of stepping up and taking the responsibility, they actually counsel and pull back from being a godly man laying down his life for that child in the womb. Most abortions happen to the unmarried and happen to people who are, quote-unquote, not trying. And there is always forgiveness, and there is always healing for you. There's no condemnation, your shame is taken away because of the cross. Jesus despised the shame and he embraced the cross. This is a safe place where there is healing. But even though there is healing, church, we need to understand that this is not a political issue but a human rights issue. Church, we need to understand that you cannot believe in the Bible and believe in abortion. Let me say that again. You cannot believe in the Bible and believe in abortion. I'll never forget meeting a pastor at a local church who was the president of Planned Parenthood, Palm Beach County, and I just couldn't figure out how in the world that happened. But then when I started studying the racism of Margaret Sanger and how she infiltrated the church, I began to understand and give grace. But even though you give grace, it doesn't mean you do away with the truth. Abortion is murder. Abortion is murder. Let me say this. You cannot believe in science and believe in abortion as well. The two are incompatible. You cannot love women and believe in abortion either. And the reason why is over 90% of women who have had abortions struggle with depression and anxiety for the rest of their life because deep down they know they have killed a child. It's not a fetus. It's not a, it's a child. It's a child. 
that trauma, that unforgiveness, that nagging shame that's not taken care of has caused what is called the ABC link, a link from abortion to breast cancer, ABC link. You can look it up at your own time, but it's a true statistic because when you harbor unforgiveness, it affects you, the toxins will affect you until you deal with that forgiveness, until you receive. Scientific research shows that that child upon conception has separate biological organisms, separate DNA, and yes, they know the gender as well upon conception. Male or female, by the way. There's only two. That's science as well. I don't have time. This is a justice and equality issue. Just because someone's small, dependent, and has no voice does not mean that their life should be taken out. Abortion destroys what God created. Jeremiah 1.5 says this, Before I formed you in your mother's womb, I knew you and I set you apart as a prophet to the nations. How many prophets have been murdered in the womb? that God has sent and created. Psalm 139, I knit you together in my mother's womb. You cannot believe in the Bible and believe in abortion. They're incompatible. Also, abortion destroys what God loves and what God has chosen. Ephesians 1.4 says this, I chose you before the foundation of the world. Think about that. To be adopted because I love you. That's Ephesians 1, 4, and 5. He adopted and he loved that child before the foundation of the world was laid. You are on the heart of God and we make this choice like it's a choice to murder what God has created. And Satan loves it. You know why? Because man is created in the image and likeness of God and he wants to keep it going by saying it's a choice. No, it's murder. Will, play the second video for me, please. The head of the nation's largest abortion provider used the New York Times as the forum to admit the racism of its founder. In a recent op-ed, Alexis McGill-Johnson wrote, We must reckon with Margaret Sanger's association with white supremacist groups and eugenics. Acknowledging failure to own the impact of their founder's actions, Johnson went on to say, whether our founder was a racist is not a simple yes or no question. Yet in her own words, Sanger strived for a society that limited births to only those she deemed fit to have children. Many cite a 1923 New York Times interview in which she called some groups of people human weeds as proof of her racist motives. Birth control is not contraception indiscriminately and thoughtlessly practiced, she said in the article. It means the release and cultivation of the better racial elements in our society and the gradual suppression, elimination, and eventual extirpation of defective stocks, those human weeds which threaten the blooming of the finest flowers of American civilization. If they want to do something different, they can stop killing our children. Benjamin Watson, vice president of the pro-life group Human Coalition, maintains Planned Parenthood's admission about Sanger does not absolve them from the blood on their hands as they take advantage of victims of the very racism they decry. I find it um, hollow for them to call out Margaret Sanger and talk about her association with white supremacist groups and talk about her connection to eugenics and and try to uh, distance themselves from her while they are still perpetuating her mission that is systematically targeting uh, young, largely African-American, largely poor women and families and children. According to CDC data, black women make up 14% of the childbearing population, yet had 36% of abortions. And a survey by Protecting Black Life found 79% of Planned Parenthood's facilities are located in communities of color. 
This is not a political thing. Abortion is worse than slavery because a slave can escape or be freed. And the church cannot be silent on this issue. We have to speak the truth in love and speak to the political powers, whomever they may be, that are for the murder of innocent children in the womb. And make no mistake about this, the same party that's pro-abortion is the same party that's against school choice, which keeps children trapped in schools that are failing. And the church needs to wake up with who they're aligning with, and I will not apologize for speaking the truth in a way that brings freedom into people and stops the murder of innocent children in the womb. New York State in 2012 murdered more black babies than were born. 24 million babies murdered that one year, only 23,000 born. We've killed our Jeremiah's. We may have killed the person that caused was going to bring the cure for cancer. We're killing those who should be paying into Social Security, and we're going to run out because we've murdered our children in the womb. And we need a righteous remnant that would raise up in this nation that would stop and that would understand the wickedness and evil that it is and call it out for what it is. So we talked about building the house. This is a way that you can build a house. Where are our teams that we're sending over to first care ministry that are helping women who who are are, are struggling with the decision, should I keep the baby or should I get rid of her? i never forget, I was at a, a Planned Parenthood banquet, and that year... They talked about there was 1.2 million babies that were murdered that year through abortion. But at that same year, there were 1.2 million parents wanting to adopt. So God had a plan for every single one of those children. And so not only does the church need to speak about this this great evil, but also say, hey, I'll take in a child. If you have her, I'll pay for the cost. I'll take her in. We should be leading adoption. And we are, by the way, the church is in America. But also, how can I build the house as well? That if you're here and you're hurting and there's shame, Listen, there's forgiveness at the cross, and we have inner healing teams that are set up to pray for you, to walk you through things, because look, you're looking at someone who's a murderer at heart. My girlfriend was pregnant, and I wanted her, when I was a teenager, to have an abortion, because that was going to ruin my life. And I had plans for myself. How selfish is that? But that's where I was. And I wanted her to get an abortion. She had a miscarriage. So it didn't happen. But guess what? Jesus says this. If you're angry with your brother from your heart, you've committed murder in your heart. I have had an abortion in my heart. And that is equal to someone who actually had an abortion. And listen, my shame is gone. I'm forgiven. It's nailed on that cross. And there's freedom and there's grace. And we call others into the freedom and grace because the cancer doesn't have to come if you receive what Christ is saying. And this is who we are. This is who we are, church. There's no shame. We stand for truth. We become the hands and feet of Jesus. But then we also become priests of our God, ministering those who are walking with that secret shame and bringing them into freedom. This is our job. This is how we build the house. This is how we build the house.
I want you to turn to verse 14 of Ruth 4. Then the woman said to Naomi, Blessed be the Lord, who has not left you this day without a Redeemer. May his name be renowned in Israel. And he shall be to you a restorer of life, a nourisher of your old age. For your daughter-in-law, who loves you, is more to you than seven sons, has given birth to him. Naomi took the child, laid him on her lap, and became his nurse. And the women of the neighborhood gave him a name, saying, A son has been born to Naomi, and they named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse, the father of David. Listen, you don't need Bow Down Church to give you your child's name. But you see the community and the need for community. They were tight-knit. And we've got to be tight-knit, church. We're family. We belong to one another. Now, verse 18 and 21, you can read those names at your own time, but I want you to turn to Matthew 1, please. Matthew 1. And worship team, if you could come up. Prayer partners, if you can come up. I want you to see the beauty of God's grace, the beauty of God's plan, the beauty of what he has done. Matthew chapter 1, verse 1. It says, the book and the genealogy of Jesus Christ. So here is who Jesus Christ came through. The son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac, and Isaac the father of Jacob, and Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers, Judah the father of Perez and Zerah by Tamar. And by the way, Perez came because Judah, (sighs) Judah and Tamar got together. Basically, it it was incest. Okay? But who opened the womb? God. Perez, the father of, and it, and it keeps going, verse 5, Salmon, the father of Boaz by Rahab. Who's Rahab? Rahab was the prostitute that was saved in Jericho. God opened the prostitute who was not an Israelite, by the way, and she married Salmon. God opened her womb, and Boaz came out. Boaz and Ruth got together. What's Ruth? She's the Moabite. And by the way, the nation of Moab, their origin started from incest when Lot, his daughters, got Lot drunk and they conceived kids. Moab came from that, came from incest. Now listen, this is Jesus's family line. And Obed, the father of Jesse, and Jesse, the father of of David the king. I don't know where you are today, but as Naomi lost her husband and her kids and was left abandoned, she just came back. She came back to Bethlehem. This is the story. And when she came back, God redeemed her. God brought her in. And it was through this family, through this move that we... The Lord Jesus Christ came. And so with this, guys, God is sovereign. He's sovereign. He has a plan that he's working out. He is a redeemer. And he calls us just to come to him so that he can redeem us. God is here today. He wants you in his arms. He is your kinsman, redeemer. Won't you come to him? Father, We bless you. We lift up your name, Jesus. And and when your word declares, if we lift you up, Jesus, that all men would be drawn to you. God, I pray for those 
uh, Lord, that, that are in need of healing, that are in need of touch, God, that are in need of mercy, I pray you would just draw them, God. And we just thank you for your sovereign hand, how you move through imperfect people. And so, God, you are here today and you want to move through us and you want to do things, God, in and through us because you are our Redeemer. May we be the kind of people that redeem others in Christ's name. Amen. Thanks for visiting us today. Make sure to check us out online at www.bowdownchurch.com.